Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord for The Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Welcome to Walk with God. My name is Brenda, and Walt and I are looking forward to a new season this fall, looking into the book of John. The Gospel of John is one of the four Gospels written to tell us more about the earthly life and ministry of Jesus. But before we jump into our introduction for the Gospel of John, I want to ask you a question. Have you read a good book lately? I mean, a good book that you just can't put down because the story and the plot have grabbed your attention and you can't wait to see how it ends. Well, I read one particular book like that just earlier this summer, and I suggested the book to Walt. And initially, he wasn't sure he wanted to read this book. He was convinced it was a girl book, just a love story, no real man action. But I assured him there was suspense and action. It was a great plot. And finally, he took my word and he began to read the book. And I was thrilled. Well, over the next few days, I would find him reading the book and I'd ask him, where are you at in the book? I I think actually I was sort of driving him crazy, but I wanted to know where he was in the story because I had loved the book so much. And he would tease me and he would answer, well, it's okay, it's all right. But I knew that he was enjoying it. And finally, in the end, he admitted it was a good story. And it gave me great pleasure to share a good book with my husband and to know that he also had enjoyed the story. Well, so it should be with God's word. As I read and study the verses, the chapters, and the book, they are valuable. They offer meaningful instruction and nourishment, food for my soul. I can tell the difference when I've spent time reading and then rereading passages in my Bible. In fact, we know from 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17, all scripture is inspired by God. It is, it's profitable. Why is it? Because it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, for training in righteousness, so that the people of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. And so as we dig into the book of John in this new season, Walt, I know that this book holds a very special place in your heart. Yeah, it sure does. And um, when I became a believer in Jesus Christ on July 13th, 1978 at Penn State University, um, I started to um, participate in the Bible study And the suggestion was we would go through the Gospel of John. And that year, I just read and reread the Gospel of John and just love it. Well, let's roll up our sleeves and get started. There there are actually four Gospel books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the four books do share some similarities. Um, They're all penned in the Koine Greek. They all are similar in length. Some are a little longer, some a little shorter. And they're all written within a century of Jesus' death. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke are referred to the synoptic Gospels, and really that means the same eyes. It seems like they are looking through the same eyes at the same kinds of stories. 
and they've included many of the same stories. Of the four Gospels, John's Gospel was the final account of Jesus' life and his, his ministry is recorded there. And this fourth Gospel stands in contrast to the other three with distinct content. And it is most theological, it's philosophical, it's profound. John does um, not narrate the birth, but rather he presents a powerful argument for the incarnation and the eternal existence of God's Son. And he, and he brings that, that very beginning, even back before the beginning, because Jesus has eternally existed and all things were made by him and through him. Eternity past, the triune God, the Word was with God and the Word was God. Uh, just a quick, who is this written to? Ma Matthew is addressed mainly to the Jews and to the religious leaders. It assumes a, a strong Jewish understanding uh, of the Hebrew Bible. Um, Mark spoke to the Roman leaders. He includes a powerful story of the ministry of Jesus. And then Luke focused on the Greek audience, and, and it, his gospel is filled with details for the inquiring mind because Luke was a doctor. He had an inquiring mind, and details were important to him. But John seemed to write for everyone in this book as we meet an absolutely powerful God in human flesh who controls and rules the universe he created. Uh, written by the, the Apostle John, probably after 70 AD and the destruction of the Second Temple, and probably before 100 AD from Ephesus, um, his audience was the whole world, Jew and Gentile alike. And he takes the time to explain Jewish customs and Israel's geography. Well, I know, Walt, you love geography. And when we go to Israel, I always learn from you as you're sharing and we're traveling in the bus with our guests uh, who have come on the trip with us. But I want to stress as we are beginning this gospel that maps are important, geography is important. And so if you have a good study Bible in the back of your Bible, perhaps you have a Bible atlas that would show maps from the time of Jesus' life or ministry is often how those maps are titled. I want to encourage you to get a hold of a map and even read along in John's gospel over these coming weeks. Jesus walked to many places during his ministry, and John is going to highlight especially Jesus' trip up to Jerusalem. And we want to make note of those because he's always going up for the major feasts. He's going up because why? The people are coming up to Jerusalem and he wants to be there and present himself to them. He's presented as the eternal word in, in John's gospel. And we're going to see that right in the beginning of chapter one. He is the eternal word who's now become flesh, the God man. This, as well just said, is the incarnation. It is God, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And now the Son has become human flesh. He is a man. He is fully God and fully man. Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. He is the Christ which is the Greek word for Messiah. He's the eternal son of God sent by God the Father to, as it were, mediate or prepare a new relationship between God and man to offer himself as that sacrifice. 
Well, as we pause before we get into John 1, 1, we've already read parts of those verses. What I want to remind us of is what is happening in Israel as Jesus is going to come on the scene. There have been 400 years of silence. From Malachi 4, 4, and 5, it says, Remember the law of Moses, my servant, even the statutes and ordinances which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day. And after that word, after those prophets, we had all we had the kings, we had prophets who continued to call the people back. They'd fall into sin and God would send prophets. We had Isaiah and Jeremiah. We read as we come through the minor prophets who continue to call the people back to the Lord. And now 400 years of silence and then Jesus is going to appear I want you to jump forward to Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and then verse 10. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. He also says, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. And and let's consider that whole phrase, in the beginning. It's it's, uh, pregnant with meaning. Uh, Part of it says that God is the source, the originator of the heavens and the earth. And as we read through and just consider that, Jesus begins his account in um, John begins his account in this uh, with the same words that we read in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Um, God, again, is the, the source, the originator. And then continuing on in Genesis, it says, And darkness was over the surface of the deep, and God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Um, take a closer look at John 1, verses 5 and following. The light shines in the darkness, and darkness did not comprehend it. As a matter of fact, light is going to be a big theme in the Gospel of John, but continuing back to in the beginning, uh, Proverbs 1 7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. This reverential awe, um, the fear of the Lord, um, that's what should begin our relationship, um, realizing he is God Almighty and we are sinful man. And then Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the knowledge of the Holy One. That's understanding. Then I love this verse out of 2 Timothy 1.9. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of, of time. This is a plan that God orchestrated and started before there was time and continued in, in sending his son. And John's going to highlight the, the signs and the teachings of Jesus. And he provides a sense of, of depth for the reader. He gives the reader um, an up-close view, an opportunity to observe the identity, the words, the works, and the mission of Jesus Christ. 
And I love that whole idea that John, as he's writing, you shared earlier, Walt, that his audience is the whole world. So it's to the Jewish people, it's to Israel, but it's also to the Greeks, the the Romans, the Gentiles, all he's reaching out to the whole world. And in fact, he then tells us in John 20, verses 30 and 31, therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in the book, but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. That that gives the key, the purpose for John writing this. He wants everyone who reads these chapters in the Gospel of John to truly believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and then to believe in his name so that you may have eternal life. And then I know when we were talking earlier, uh, Walt, to prepare this, you pointed out the last verse that we find in John's gospel, John 21, 25. There are also many other things which Jesus did. I have to pause. Can you even imagine as John traveled those years of ministry, um, Jesus' adult ministry, many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books that would be written. I love that phrase, even there, there are also many other things which Jesus did. It's telling us that the gospel writers had to be selective. There was so much more they could say, but they said what they did under the the direction and the inspiration of the Spirit of God. They said what they did for a purpose. And again, you brought out wonderfully, the purpose is that we might believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that by believing, we can have eternal life in his name. That's what the stories focus in on. And we'll talk more even as we continue into the book of John, but we will see he is the son of God. Jesus was sent by the father and we'll see the relationship between them. I want to point out a couple. We've started to touch on these metaphors already, uh, but this book of John is filled with some themes and a a variety of metaphors, some to mention. uh, Walt has shared already the light and the darkness. We're going to see that in chapter one right away, um, looking back at Genesis and the creation. We'll see that truth We'll see love. We'll see Jesus referring to himself as I am the living water. I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. And so we are going to make note of those. Why? John uses those because those are human reality that we can touch. We do get thirsty. We do need to have bread to eat to satisfy our hunger. And so we're going to see some beautiful metaphors throughout this gospel. Well, I want to ask each of us a question. We're at the beginning. John 1, 1 begins, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. But I want to say, where are you today? 
Are you beginning something? And you might say, you know, Walt and Brenda, I'm kind of in the middle of this huge, big project. I'm in the middle of, I'm at the end. But I want to tell you, I think each of us is beginning something in our life right now. There's something that God's touching in your heart, in your life. It might be a really hard thing you're facing. It might be medical or financial difficulty that you're facing. It might be a new relationship, uh, whether it's dating or marriage or a new baby or a grandson or daughter coming But I want to have you identify your beginning. Maybe this is the time when God is calling you to step into something new and you've been avoiding it, maybe out of fear, maybe feeling like you're not really capable or able to do that. But he's calling you to trust him and to step into this beginning. Identify that. How will you walk into his life? He's calling us to walk in obedience, and Jesus provided the perfect example for us. But he says in John 6, 38, I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. So when I consider a close relationship with God the Father and God the Son, what hinders me from having that kind of close relationship with the Lord? What keeps me from walking in His will? How should I live if I'm going to follow in the steps of Jesus? Or as our podcast is called, How Can I Walk with God? in a more close, intimate relationship? How can we know his will? Well, we need to spend time in prayer. We need to learn what it is to discern his voice, not a verbal voice, but his leading and his guiding. And we come to that as we spend time reading and meditating and yes, even memorizing his word. Just a few days ago, I picked up just a small, cheap notebook at the store, and I wrote a couple verses in John 1 that I want to memorize. I want to meditate. And so I have them here with my Bible, and I read them each morning. And I want to encourage us to work on memorizing God's Word. Remember in Psalm 1-2, it says, but his delight, that blessed person who has that relationship, personal relationship with the Lord, his delights in the law of the Lord, and in his law, he meditates day and night. And it's it's our prayer, it's our hope that we would grow deeper in our relationship with Jesus Christ, even as we teach this, but also that you would grow deeper, that you would take this time and you would really examine what God's word says and why that is important and should change your life, change the way you speak, change the way you view the world. Well, let's close in prayer. Uh, This is a a time to just even commit ourselves at the very beginning of something new. And so let me pray. Lord, I I do thank you for uh, your written word. I thank you for the life of John, probably the oldest gospel writer who had perspective, and he wanted to share that with us. And I pray that we would have ears to hear and then hearts that long to do your word so that we're not hearers only. Over the next weeks, could you open our eyes and allow us each to see 
what you want to chisel and file away, the, the areas of my life that are still displeasing to you. And so, Spirit of God, please be our teacher and, and show us more about the Son of God through this study. Well, until next time, may you continue to walk with God. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord for The Awakening in America and Outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.